What's up, Overcomers? This is the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. On this podcast, we focus on what we believe to be one of the most important things in this world, which is what we think about ourselves when we are by ourselves. On this podcast, we talk to all sorts of individuals from top-level athletes, Olympic-level medalists, C-level executives, thought leaders, inspirational individuals, doctors, lawyers, everybody in between. And today, I am really excited for my guest. My guest today has a slew of degrees, one being a master's in psychology. She is virtually associated with every single membership you can possibly think of. She's a registered professional coach. She's a member of the American Psychology Association. She's a member of Positive Psychology Association. She's a member of the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychologists. She's a member of Forbes Coaching Council. She has been a corporate psychologist. She's been featured in so many different publications, which include the Huffington Post, Complete Wellbeing, Project Happiness, and Forbes, just to name a few. She's a life coach with a mission to help as many people as possible move past chasing superficial happiness and instead learn how to create fulfilling and meaningful lives. She is the host and creator of one of the best podcasts in the health and well-being space called or titled Here to Thrive. And she is not without her own struggles as well. After being diagnosed with breast cancer, she had to dig deep within herself and utilize all of her teaching and knowledge for herself and not just survive, but thrive. Please welcome my awesome guest today, Kate Snowwise. It was like this uh, shock for me. And then once I really integrated that, I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm now in the fight for my life. Thanks for doing this, Katie. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me, Josh. I'm excited. You know, it's funny. I was leaving the house today to come to the studio. I was talking to my wife and she's like, who do you have on today? I was like, I think I have a Disney princess character between your awesome accent and then your name, Kate Snowwise. It, I, for some reason, just picture just a Disney princess character or something. So just, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty I interesting. I get that a lot, the snow white. And then the irony is I have quite dark hair and I have very pale skin. So <laughs> definitely get the snow white a lot. And so where is the accent actually from? So I'm from New Zealand. I uh, grew up in New Zealand, born and bred. Didn't move to the States until I was 30. Uh, so yeah, the little island at the bottom of the world next to Australia, not an Australian accent. They are, they are a little bit different. <laughs> What's that flight? How long is that flight? Like you know eight what? days or something? So, so I live in the Midwest now, and there is a direct flight from Chicago to Auckland, and it is 16 hours or a little over 16 hours, one of the longest direct flights in the world. Wow. Yeah. Some of those long, long flights, you watch like two movies back to back, and you're excited, and you're like, oh, I'm not even halfway there yet. Yeah, right? <laughs> when you get to like seven movies, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so you're in New Zealand. What, uh, what made you make the move to the states so i uh, married an american guy he happened to be in new zealand when i met him so i never had any intention of leaving my pretty little island at the bottom of the world i was quite happy in my comfort zone it's what i knew and 
we got married, had our first baby in New Zealand, and we never had any intention of moving to the States. So I wasn't after a green card, people. Uh-huh. We never had any intention of moving to America. And then um, he had a phenomenal training opportunity in his field come up. And I sort of had that moment of I'm not going to stand between my husband and his dreams Mm -hmm. and so we had an agreement that that if I hated it I would I would move to the states for the length of his training which was three years and if I absolutely hated it then we would go back to New Zealand but the opposite happened I absolutely loved it not initially but I I grew to love it and now I am so happy where I am that yeah I, I can't see myself ever probably moving back to New Zealand permanently that's a, a pretty big move. What kind of thoughts are going through your head? Are you like scared, timid? Are you excited? Is it just, hey, I'm with I'm with my best friend, my love. It uh, doesn't make a difference. Or were you like, oh shit, what am I what am I going to do over there? Or what's kind of going through your mind right before so, you make that decision? Yeah, I mean, well, the decision felt like it was made. It was made due to circumstance, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, I was. I was pushed out of my comfort zone. So like I said, I was very happy living in my little island at the bottom of the world, uh, very comfortable. And I was definitely at a different place in my personal growth uh, back then as well. So I wasn't looking for challenge Mm -hmm. and I was definitely nervous. I wasn't um, one to push my own edges naturally. And moving to the States, I was totally nervous. But like you said, it was much easier to do knowing that I had my hand held by my um, husband. But it still was very overwhelming for me. I got really bad culture shock when we got here. I felt very isolated. He was working all the time. I was at home with our two small children. Um, I was pregnant when we moved over with our second child. And so there was a lot and it and it definitely took me quite some time to find my feet. I didn't immediately sort of uh, thrive when we got to America by any means. It was it was a, a resettling for me and a finding a new part of myself for sure. Gotcha. So that's really interesting. So I want to kind of transition. So you have so much background in coaching, life coaching, personal coaching, corporate coaching. So I know we could spend basically our whole time just talking about the different types of individuals that you see and stuff like that. But I want to kind of break it into two pieces, kind of the individual coaching that you do or the group coaching and then the corporate coaching. I'm wondering, I'm just curious for myself if there's kind of a, a difference. But what I wanted to start with is on those individual coachings that you do, what are some common thought themes that you see or some thoughts that are very common that maybe are hindering to individuals? Because I really think that's where a lot of our anxiety or depression or unhappiness or or feeling of comparison or not enough starts with it starts in our with our thoughts so i want to see from your perspective do you see a common thread between a lot of your clients or customers or or people you work with and if so what are so they? so with me i and my program so to answer your first question what are the differences between sort of my my more personal coaching clients and then the clients i deal with and uh, direct to sort of the corporate market. So it's really who's paying for the coaching, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, is your organization paying or are you paying directly? The, there, I don't believe there is really much of a difference between life and executive coaching. The context is a little bit different. Of course, I'm talking more about leadership and how you can lead your people with corporate 
situations, uh, but it's really about how you lead yourself and how you lead your own life. And we are not one person at work and then go home and become a different person. We are whole people. And so even when I'm doing corporate coaching, it inevitably includes an element of life in that. And the other way around, when I'm doing life coaching, it's often career questions that people come to a a personal coach for. They our careers and our our work is a major part of our lives and it's often when people are struggling with that that they're willing to reach out to a coach so really the overlap is massive mm-hmm. gotcha. um in terms of what i see people struggling with i don't think that we have ever really been taught to get to know ourselves and yes. so uh, people come to me typically feeling pretty ungrounded if they're coming to me sort of as a self-referral, pretty ungrounded, unsure about which way to move forward. And that's usually because they don't really know their wants, their needs, their desires, their deepest personal values, like what are the keys to their own fulfillment? And that rings as true when we're talking about planning your career and what you want for a career vision. If you are not grounded in knowing yourself, it's very hard to create a meaningful future for yourself or a meaningful vision. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that people struggle with is not knowing themselves well enough to feel authentic or to feel comfortable making those hard choices. And and the world ends up blowing us around a bit when that's the case, right? We just kind of end up, what I say, running on default. And so we go with the tide or we take the next thing that seems like what we would should do or should do. And we end up potentially quite off course from the things that really drive us internally or would make us feel fulfilled as opposed to superficially happy. Yeah, I heard a um, statistic, and I can't quote it or read it. It's been years that the the average individual, their place of work or their job is usually done or they got it through. Someone told them about it like, hey, Kate, I got an opening over here in, in marketing. You want to do it? Like, oh, what's it pay? Oh, it pays you know $70,000. Oh, that's good enough. I'll go ahead and do that. When you have no no background in it or no you know um, expertise, it just kind of goes with the flow. And so it kind of goes back to your, you just kind of go with the wind and you, your work is such a big part of your life, but yet most of us are doing a job that we didn't really seek out because we don't know what we want truly inside. So it's so interesting. Yeah. So that's why in terms of like, when I do work with people, I do a lot of like, what do you want? What is the vision? What is the vision? you have for your future. And I don't believe in living super attached to that vision and and chasing it obsessively. But unless you have a general direction and you know why that is your general direction, then you end up living an intentionless life. You end up just running off where the tide takes you. Like when I went to college, I started studying law. I never wanted to be a lawyer, but when I was looking at the outside world, I was like, well, I'm good at English and mm. and lawyers get a lot of respect and make a lot of money. And, you know, that's kind of a status, a high status job. Like, I guess I'll go for that. Yeah. And there was no internal motivation whatsoever in terms of me aligning personally with being a lawyer. And it ends up leading to feeling really empty or disconnected from from what you're doing yeah. and that's no way to live a life no no you said something that i i've been 
thinking about a lot lately, and not in these exact words, but um, how to get grounded. So I truly believe that exactly what you said, the more you know about yourself, and like I said in the beginning of every podcast, I really do believe that the most important thing in this world is what we think about ourselves when we are by ourselves. But so few of us take time to really sit with ourselves and meditate or do whatever it is to really think about it. So when you have individuals coming to yourself, what are some ways that you help them kind of get grounded or get in touch with kind of who they really are inside? So obviously you mentioned earlier, I um, come from, I was a psychologist and a corporate psychologist. So we do a lot of work in that sphere around personality and uh, individual differences in that respect. So I actually kind of take my coaching clients on a bit of a journey and I talk about personality being like the outer shell and the way we interact with the world our behaviors and natural tendencies and so I help them get to know their outer shell better and it's amazing once we have awareness around our natural tendencies how much more you know as you're talking about it's it's the awareness it's that gap and being able to perceive ourselves that gives us our power and so I help them understand their personality, what they're naturally likely to do. And then I go a level deeper with my clients and I help them define and uncover their personal values. And I feel like a lot of people out in the world of coaching or personal development, they throw around this concept of personal values or or core values or whatever it might be, live a values-based life. But no one tells you how on earth to tap into what your actual values are. So I go through an exercise with my clients and do a full deep dive session to really help them get language to articulate what matters most to them in life and once we've done those two pieces I like to call that your warm mushy core so like your personality is like you're out of shell how you interact with the world and your values are like that warm center that really is your core drivers the things that light you up and if we can create a life that aligns with our natural tendencies and our deepest needs then that's when we have this naturally and I know it's a bit cliche, but it's an aligned life. It's a life that lines up with us. And because we haven't been taught to get to know ourselves, then we just, we, we're trying to do this process as we go through life, but it's kind of trying to do it blind. And once we've got language, because we work in that world, once we can kind of articulate our deepest needs, it becomes so much easier to align our lives with it. And so that's how I do it because of my background as a psychologist. I also encourage my um, coaching clients to do journaling exercises and to just really dive in and start to have a conversation with yourself because we're so, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the human spirit or the human condition. Yep. And, you know, getting to know myself has been such a fun journey so far. And, and so, yeah, I just love to encourage other people to do the same. Year for sure, but the last two years has really, really been uncovering who I am. And it's an interesting thing that happens once you like really, really start to understand who you are. And it sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo or a bunch of, you know, BS or bullshit or something like that. The more you know who you are, the happier you are, and the less you'll be taken advantage of, and the less you'll start doing all that people pleasing thing, which especially in today's society and Instagram and social media, and I love all that, all of that exists. But too often, I think we 
put stuff out there to try to get external validation instead of having internal validation and strive for all these like people pleasing things and and um, stuff. But I think it's just because it's a lack of personal awareness. And once you do that, I just I just feel a lot a lot freer. And if someone asks me to do something and I don't want to, I go, no, I can't really do that right now. You know, there's just a lightness about about you once you uh, kind of have those core values and, you know, you understand yourself a little, little bit more. Would you agree with that or do you think that? Whole, wholeheartedly. And it comes back to this word that we mentioned at the start of that sense of groundedness or being grounded in your own being. And, you know, I certainly wasn't always the grounded person that I consider myself to be now. And in my t- early 20s, I was a massive people pleaser, always looking for validation outside of myself. And it was by getting to know myself that you start to be able to feel confident and and sort of what is for you and what is not for you and it's only through and part of that for me as well was sort of a sense of spiritual grounding as well as spiritual connection and feeling that I can get that validation from inside myself as opposed to the world around me but it it leads to having such a cleaner experience with life because there's no resentment because I just know who I am and I and I know that if I'm saying yes to something, it's a it's a real and truthful yes. And if I'm saying no, then it's because that doesn't fit me right now. And it's it's there's no baggage that comes with that. So it took me a long while to learn about about how to move from that sense of external validation from the world to this internal inner knowing of myself and internal validation. You know, I it's funny I didn't have that on, on my notes, but I like to dive into it because you definitely have a. Um... A deeper knowledge or expertise than I do, but this whole people pleasing—you know—you say those words, and we've heard them forever, and all that type of stuff. And the people listening go, "Well, I'm not a people pleaser," but I actually think that people pleasing is becoming more and more rampant nowadays because people pleasing is not a a like meek individual that just is like, "Yes, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir," all that type of stuff. It's the people like that I used to be like. Hey, you want to go out tonight? Um, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll go. Even though all I want to do is go home and go to sleep because I'm tired. Or it people pleasing is, you know, if you constantly are worried about what your boss is thinking of. Or people pleasing is, you know, not having the the gumption or or the guts to tell your significant other that hey, I don't like that because you're terrified of how they're going to think or feel or get mad or something like that. From your coaching perspective or from your industry, have you seen it? a uptick in kind of people pleasing or that kind of uh, thought process or have you seen a decrease? I don't think, I think it's been consistent. Like I haven't noticed an uptake or a decrease. I think we've got new challenges though, like the world of Instagram and uh, social media. I mean, the addiction to likes is totally a form of external validation or feeling like you're more worthy because you have more attention on you or more love, you know, more hearts. That is a form of seeking uh, your worthiness from outside of you or seeking external validation, which is all tied up with people pleasing, you know, in terms of understanding. So I think we have new challenges, Mm. but I think it's, consistently part of the human experience and how we sort of label it 
uh, differs. And perhaps people pleasing isn't is a lot of people don't identify with that because, like you said, it's they're not the yes people. But it really comes down to this concept of are you looking for other people to tell you you're worthy? Or do you feel that sense of worthiness from inside you? And I was always looking for love outside of myself rather than feeling that sense of I can be loved regardless of if that guy likes me. I am still worthy. And, you know, I am still worthy regardless if I get the top marks on that project or whatever it might be. That is a that's a big shift to make. Or, you know, I'm still worthy even if my Instagram post doesn't get seen or doesn't yes. get any likes. Yeah. And um <laughs> so so that for me, the undoing of my people pleasing really started um I mean I it it had been a process, but I had a light bulb moment when I read Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, which was her first big book. And she talked about this sense of needing approval from others to feel okay. And when I read that and realized that the reason my behavior was as it was, trying to keep other people happy, that I was prioritizing other people's happiness and deprioritizing my own needs, that I was doing that so that I could get their approval and feel better about myself. As soon as I made that connection, then it was like the light went on and it really changed my behavior dramatically and very quickly. And I think that can happen when we really grasp a concept and and we can we you, some people might be listening to this and be like I have no idea what she's talking about <laughs> and but when you're ready to grasp a concept sometimes just that understanding of it can really undo a, a natural behavior or something you've been doing for a long time yeah because it's that insight again into ourselves what are some things that you did to once you had that light bulb moment what are some actions or some things that you did or what would you recommend individuals do to really start that inward journey and stopping that external validation seeking and start getting that internal validation? What are some things that you would do to uh, to have them start? Absolutely. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think it begins with getting to know yourself. So, you know, if you had asked me what I liked in my early 20s or, you know, what my hobbies were or what my interests were, I would have really struggled to even give you anything. You know, I, I didn't, have my own unique things I hadn't followed my own curiosity as Elizabeth Gilbert would say and so I think it starts by going you know what I like reading and I haven't been <laughs> reading or I when I was a kid I used to write poems and I'm not writing or just sort of claiming these little parts of yourself that other people may think are cool, may not think are cool, but it doesn't matter. So, for example, for me, when I, I've always been a massive lover of personal development, self-growth, uh, self-help books. So when I was in my teen years, I would read self-help books. That was not cool. Okay. That was not a cool yeah. hobby to have. <laughs> the internet did not exist. Um, but for me and my like so when I went into college I kind of moved away from that because I knew it wasn't cool I knew that my my peers weren't going to be like oh that's so cool you just read another self-help book right, so right. I kind of <laughs> kept it a secret but 
So part of me reclaiming myself was reclaiming the stuff that interested me. So it was about, you know what, I love self-help books and I don't really care what anyone else thinks. And I don't care if my husband thinks it's cool or not. I don't care if my friends think I'm crazy. I'm going to go full tilt into the things that interest me. And what I found was exactly the opposite of what I expected. You end up finding other people that, you can only find, you know, it's that cliche, you can only find your people when you own yourself or you own your interests. So then I'm like, oh, lots of people actually like self-help books. And and I think that the generation, there has been a generational shift, but it helps my people find me. It helps the people that have the same interests find me because I really own my own. So I encourage people to to connect with things that you're curious about look at things that you're interested in and bring more of those into your life. I encourage people, like I mentioned earlier, to to journal, to use some self-reflective prompts. I mean, you can look anywhere on the internet for those. I have some hidden somewhere on my website that you can download. But just starting a conversation with yourself because we've never been taught to do that, saying if you give yourself a journal prompt, like, for example, you know, uh, what do I believe in? And then just don't overthink it and just let the words flow. It is amazing the conversation you can start with yourself and the wisdom that you have within yourself. And I think having those conversations breeds a sense of groundedness in your being. So in summary, it's about turning inward and because it's this whole internal, external thing it's about turning off the noise of the outside world Mm -hmm. and starting to go inward and having conversations and connection with yourself and so the last bit for that for me was spirituality and and that might be mindfulness or meditation for people um a teacher that I came across when I was in my mid-20s which really shifted my perspective was Eckhart Tolle um and his book A New Earth just recognizing that I was the observer of my thoughts, not my thoughts was a huge shift for me as well. So I think those three points really helped me make that shift from external, this external obsession to more of an internal connection with myself. Yeah, you said a reoccurring theme on this podcast that I've been that I want to try to get to everybody. And you you heard it through Eckhart Tolle, but the fact that you are not your thoughts just because you think something does not mean you are that it's just a thought it'll be gone in matter of nanoseconds um that's just so so big and i can't agree more with those big deep journal and questions even if you don't if, if the listeners are hearing this go i don't want a journal just think about it to yourself what do i believe in and answer that question or what is my life's mission you know, you don't have to have a nonprofit or an organization to have a life mission. But if someone were to ask you, you know, what are your values? What is your mission? What do you believe in? If you just ask yourself that on the ride home, you're going to be like, oh, what do I believe in? Oh, what are my values? Like, oh, my God, I don't really know myself at all. What the heck? <laughs> so it's, do you know uh, what? There is this really cool tool online that is completely free. And I will get my clients to often do this. And it's, it's not what I would call like a, or it could be a spiritual deep dive, but it's certainly an awesome starting point. And it's the personal mission statement find or creator. Let me just have a look online. I've got my computer in front of me. Um, it's a mission statement builder by a company called Franklin Covey. Oh, cool. So if, 
if you search Franklin Covey mission statement builder, you um, can make a it gives you a whole bunch of questions to help you work out what you believe in, what you stand for, what you what matters to you. So I often set this as a starting point for my coaching clients. I'm like, I want you to go and do that mission statement builder to help you get to know yourself better. And it's just a super simple little way to do it. So the website actually is, um, it's, I I don't know if you have to put the HTTPS bit in, but we'll just say that, uh, msb.franklincovey.com. Oh, cool. And it is awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. I can totally relate to what you said with the self-help books. For one, because that's basically all I, all I read. I just, fiction just doesn't grab me. I just can't stay in it. But uh, so it's either self-help or autobiographies or biographies or something. But, you know, it's funny. People used to always ask me, you know, for years and years and years, like, you know, what do you enjoy doing? Or if that came up at a cocktail party or something. And I would always say, I enjoy uh, golf. And I do, but I only play maybe once or twice a year. And it's really the whole purpose of me playing is just to go out with the fellas, have a couple of beers, you know, reconnect, be out um, in the sun, all that type of stuff. But it's not something I really like. And for about a year, um, maybe almost a year and a half, I've been doing Muay Thai and I freaking love it. But for about six months, seven months, I didn't tell anybody because I was terrified of what people would say or think or people think, oh, what, you think you're some badass? Like, no, I just enjoy the the martial art um, of Muay Thai. And, but now I, I have no problem saying it and I've gotten a bunch more friends have kind of attracted to that. And I've met people through, through, uh, you know, doing classes and sparring and stuff like that. And my life has actually been increased by finally just going, you know what, this is what I like. I don't know what to tell you. This is it. You know, I'm not looking to beat anybody up. I'm the nicest guy you meet, but it is what it is. And so once you find that thing that you really like, it starts to fulfill you and you get joy out of it and you start to create confidence and, you know, start that inward validation instead of that expert or external validation. So second that. Absolutely. I mean, and you just, I mean, your example was just beautiful because you talked about like the socially appropriate answer or what we perceive as the socially the cool thing to say, like, well, I guess I love golf, you know, like, but then moving to, no, I actually am not going to care what other people think. And that is, that is the undoing of the people pleasing is, you know what, I'm no longer going to care more what other people think than what I feel myself. And like, if if we had neither of us had ever owned the fact that we love self-help books and started to be quite loud about that, we wouldn't have found each other, Josh. True. You know, it's like you yep. find your people. Yeah. You find your community by owning your your own internal loves. Yep. I love it. I love it. So I want to kind of transition now, and I want to transition more towards you personally. So we had chatted before the podcast over the past um, couple of weeks or so, and you had something pretty significant happen to you. And I think it's really, it'll be really interesting to hear kind of how you dealt with it, both actual tactically, but mainly I want to know about kind of your thought process through that. So you were actually diagnosed with breast cancer fairly recently or in the past few few years, correct? Yeah, it was a year ago. So oh, wow, it's still of- so recent. It's still recent. So in terms of when you say how I dealt with it, you know, I think in a lot of respects, I'm still dealing with it. But but I think I still have a lot to add. <laughs> so the one thing that 
I wanted to know or wanted to ask you is so you go you you you're at the doctor's office or wherever you are when you um, found out what's the first thing that goes through your mind when they say hey Kate you know you have breast cancer what's like some of the first thoughts that riddle in there so I feel like I have to give a little bit of context so my um I was 35 when I was diagnosed and I have no family history of breast cancer whatsoever on either side of my family so my diagnosis was very unexpected um I had gone in for a checkup and I truly I had been feeling I, I was feeling kind of neurotic so I went in for this doctor's checkup check up, and I just had a laundry list of things I wanted to have checked out like I was having getting cold sores just the most bizarre list okay so my doctor ends up I think she just wanted to get me out of the office uh-huh. I said I've had kind of sore boobs and so she she I don't think she really saw anything it was a general practitioner but she referred me on for a breast ultrasound um I truly wasn't concerned in the least. Like I really, in some way, I was like, you know, there is nothing wrong with the breast I'm complaining about. So anyway, but I go through the process and who knows why. Um, I can't make sense of that part. But I went and had this breast ultrasound that was really unindicated, um, which they actually turned into a digital mammogram because of my age. And through that digital mammogram, they found that I actually had breast cancer in my other breast, the one I wasn't complaining about. So just a complete bizarre sequence of events that led to my diagnosis. So unlike most other people, I think, who are in the situation of uh, having a mammogram, like I truly did not think there was any chance I would have breast cancer, which is is kind of bizarre that I even went for it. For me, I didn't have any anxiety through the diagnostic process because I thought it would just be so outrageous that I would have breast cancer. So most other people I've spoken to, and you find that, you know, once you're part of a community like this, you suddenly find lots of other people who have been through the same thing. And I think I'm unique in that I didn't feel anxious through the diagnostic process. So then I get the call from a nurse and I was working that day and I was at my co-working space. And she, um, first of all, asks me if I'm sitting down and you can just tell if someone if someone um, ever has to give you absolutely horrific news, you can tell by the tone of their voice that it is not good news before they say anything. Yeah. So as soon as I answered this phone call, I was like, oh, shit, I, I have cancer. Like, so she didn't even have to say the words and I already knew. So um I ended up going, you know, as, as silly as right. Yeah, oh, oh, hang on a second. I'll just go and make myself comfortable. I mean, like, what kind uh, of a response is that? But so um, she told me I had breast cancer and I really didn't comprehend it. So, I mean, I, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I asked the stupidest questions such as, well, I need to have surgery. And she, her response was, uh, well, you do. We have got you scheduled to see a surgeon next week. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to have an operation? (laughs) I really, I really could not join the dots. Like this was so, so far outside of what I would have expected for myself that there was definitely this shock that I went through. Whereas I had heard the words and, and could not really comprehend them. And I think it took me uh, a good couple of days before I realized, oh God, like I have breast cancer like this is really serious so it took me it took me longer than it took my husband 
my husband's a doctor and, and he was very much like, whoa, there as soon as I got that diagnosis and he was much more worried when I had the biopsy. So it, it was like this uh, shock for me. And then once I really integrated that, I was like, well, I'm, I'm now in the fight for my life sort of thing. So that was a, a different change. So that was my initial reaction. Shock, disbelief, didn't, didn't take it in at all. And that, I think that happens to, to a lot of us when we have some, I don't know if traumatic is the right adjective, but something big like that happens. So, but one thing that I've known or seen from talking to individuals like yourself and on the podcast is that after you get over that initial shock, then comes almost like a like a game plan or tactical kind of mindset did you kind of go through that like after you went absolutely okay i got this okay doc sit down let's let's go can you walk us through that kind of portion or that that kind of mindset or what kind of happened absolutely so then my next desire after i found out that this was what i was dealing with immediately was to get a sense of some form of control. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very natural human reaction. And I think that's what drives that shift to more tactic orientation. Like, well, what can I do? And uh, I train on resilience in uh, corporate settings. So I teach other people how to be resilient. And so I immediately went back to my own teachings and trainings around resilience. And I train um, about stress management and resilience in a three-part model. And that model is that you can deal with your demands directly, and it's called problem-focused coping. You can look at your mindset and see how you can impact that to be more positive, or you can up your sort of sustenance, self-care, taking care of yourself. So there's these three ways that you can impact the stress process. And so I immediately went to how can I impact one or all three of these areas? Yeah. And I and that started with, you know, that idea of dealing with the situation I'm in directly. That was starting to learn about breast cancer. That was making sure I could get the best doctors. It was those kind of actions that I could take that made me feel that greater sense of control crawl over this thing that I was dealing with. And that's immediately what, what I started doing. I can, I just can't even, I haven't been through, I've been through some things, but I just can't even imagine the whirlwind of different thoughts that are just running and racing through your, through your mind, both at the beginning. And then I just picture you and then other individuals that have been through the same thing. If you get over that shock, you just sit down like, set a game plan almost like a navy seal like all right what's the plan of attack how are we getting through this what's what's the deal how is everything right now you overcome all all that are you in remission absolutely so in terms of um i was incredibly lucky so as i spoke about and it's just luck because as i spoke about with how i was diagnosed i was complaining about my left breast and through nothing but the digital mammogram that i had they found cancer in my right breast so i was actually picked up before i could feel a lump which meant that i was picked up at stage one. Oh, good um so cancer starts starts at a stage zero and it goes all the way to stage four which is metastatic and i was picked up at stage one so that meant that i didn't have to have chemotherapy and the surgery i chose meant that i there's there's two options with breast cancer you can choose to have um 
a lumpectomy where they take out the portion of your breast that has cancer and then radiation mm -hmm. or um, a bilateral mastectomy or a mastectomy. And I chose a bilateral mastectomy because of my age and other concerns. So I didn't have to have radiation either. So I was incredibly lucky that it was picked up early, um, which meant that, you know, I feel like breast cancer was a little bit like taking a bullet but a bullet that could have hit me directly in the chest it just kind of grazed my arm I feel very lucky yeah. that 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 was the case so yeah it was a year ago and I've had two surgeries since then and physically I'm I'm doing well Good. Uh, but the emotion the emotional implications are obviously something that I think is almost like an aftershock because sure. as you said you when you're in the midst of that it's almost like you go into action mode um, and there isn't enough time to fully process the emotional experience because you're just having to survive physically yeah. the experience, which feels like you're in a washing machine. You're just <laughs> getting beaten up from left and right. So um, I think that's what I've been dealing with after moving through all of the physical implications of the cancer yeah. treatment. After going through that and, and overcoming and coming out on the other end in some of the best possible ways that it could have uh, that outcome could have been, Absolutely. Armchair, armchair quarterbacking the the thing, or when you look back on it, what's a have you thought about a learning that you can take away from this? Um, even though it may be a tragedy, but I feel like we can also learn a lot from our hardships or our difficulties. Have you had a chance to reflect on any of that yet? Do you know what's really interesting about that is um, obviously the field I'm in. I'm a psychologist. I understand post traumatic growth. I understand all of these concepts intellectually, but to live them is a completely different experience. So I think the best analogy I've ever heard is the difference between um, knowing everything there is to know about an elevator, knowing how it moves, knowing what it's made out of, knowing how it works and all of the, the components. So having an intellectual comprehension of an elevator is very different to riding in an elevator mm -hmm. like you can't actually know what it feels like until you're in that experiential kind of learning yeah. and so i think i've had this very clear understanding of post-traumatic growth yet then go through something that was traumatic to me and i didn't pop out the other side immediately going oh this was a blessing i can see all <laughs> the lessons yay now i have a greater appreciation for life <laughs> yeah. um and I think that's a really important part of, of my journey. And um, I didn't naturally jump to post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I've had to put the work in to um, really get myself back to that place of, of thriving or moving towards feeling like I'm thriving again and back on my feet. And uh, I was kind of hoping or assuming that would happen naturally for me, and it didn't. And I came out of breast cancer feeling very emotionally beaten up, very, uh, and, it, and it led to me feeling really apathetic. Um, so, yeah, I've certainly started to move through that, and I'm feeling back on my feet again. And it has forced me to deepen that connection with myself and my wants and what makes for a meaningful life for me. But I'm still in that process. So um, I wouldn't say I have some big grand insight at this point a year, year on. I'm still in the journey. And the journey is actually, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's wonderful to be in the journey of, of discovering that. Yeah, I think that's actually really, really important for everyone to hear. When you go through something big, whether it be 
you know, you went through breast cancer, um, you know, I went through a suicide attempt, whether you get divorced or, you know, you lose your job, whatever is traumatic to you. Yes, there will be learnings after it, but it doesn't mean that you're just going to be this new enlightened individual or people, you know, would tell me, oh, well, you're going to be uh, stronger for it. And I would be like, shut up. I'm not stronger for it. I, I actually feel weaker. A- shut up. <laughs> exactly it right you know and I probably have done this before to other people like but it's the last thing you want to hear when you are going through this a real personal struggle is well I'm sure you'll be stronger for it it's like shut the f up like this is brutal (laughs) and I'm in it and I do not want to hear your freaking Pollyanna right now yep um and so, like like I said, for me, it wasn't a matter of just popping out the other side. Like, yeah, my surgeries are done, and now I see the world in a whole new light. Yep. I've had to work at that. And part of that has been therapy for me. And I, I had a point where I said to myself, you know what? I am not pulling this together in all the ways that I want to. And this is my life is I'm not feeling inside like I know I can. Mm-hmm. And so I need to start taking some very conscious, um, like conscious effort. I need to be putting in the effort to get myself back to how I want to feel. And so what I would say is like, I've had to work to yeah. bring my life back to a sense of thriving. It didn't just land in my lap. And I think this is the journey of personal growth is it takes effort and we're going to be riding the roller coaster of life. And it's not just like a one way street, you know, mm-hmm. there's ups and downs and becoming, you know, the strongest and most sort of enlightened versions of ourselves is, is we're all a work in progress, yes. but you can't take your, eyes off the fact that it takes effort you've yeah. got to put the effort in to get the best life that you can have yeah it's so so interesting you know just to draw the analogy when you you know when you're in the doctor's office and you're hooked up and you have your heartbeat on there you know that heartbeat is that little um, blip on the screen it goes up and down up and down up and down and it's just like life there's up and down up and down and if it's just perfect all the time or monotone that flat line, then you're freaking dead. So it takes effort, you know, and life is up and down, just like your heart rate is up and down. I know we're wrapping up on time here and I have just one other question or piece of advice, but before I get to that, uh, where can everybody find you online and where can people find your podcast, your um, coaching, all that type of stuff? Where can everybody find you? So my home hub on the internet is thrive.how. So that is an extension. It's thrive.how is the full website address. And you can find me over there and reach out to me directly. Or you can find me on LinkedIn under Kate Snowwise or Instagram under Kate.snowwise and Facebook the same, Kate.snowwise. And Snowwise is spelled just like it sounds, but with (laughs) one W. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think you kind of touched on quite a few answers to my question here, but I think it just is really valued or valuable for the individuals because I think a lot of people are currently going through some tough situations. So what advice or what's some things that you would recommend people do or tips or tricks or words of encouragement to someone who's going through a tough time? Hopefully it's not as traumatic as you know uh, breast cancer or or anything like that but uh, it's all relative so what's some advice that you would give someone going through a tough time right now just 
turn inward is the best piece of advice I have because every single one of us has a part of ourselves that we can connect to that even if the world feels chaotic outside there is this sense of peace and calm that we can find within us and as I mentioned for me that was through like readings from people like Eckhart Tolle, uh, meditation, that has really helped me in so many ways but also just deepening that connection with yourself through writing to yourself, talking with yourself, and knowing that you're going to grow and develop, that you're never complete. You know, mm -hmm. when I talk about my own struggles, I did all of those things recently and, and I continue to do them, uh, opening up that conversation with myself and recognizing that I'm still growing. So I've still got things to learn about myself. But when you feel connected internally, the chaos doesn't hurt or it doesn't feel quite as crazy mm -hmm. when you can ground yourself in, in that inner being that you have within you. Yeah, I love it. You said something that reminds me of a Bob Dylan line. He, he says, uh, you have to always be in a constant state of becoming. And I just think that's so, uh, so valuable because you're never going to be complete. No matter what happens, you're always going to be, there's always room for improvement. There's always heartache. There's always... Um, something going on so you just never complete and the sooner that you work just like Kate said on the inside you'll be like hey it's okay here's one more thing I have to uh, overcome here's one more thing I have to get through and thrive and kind of go from that so Kate I really really appreciate your time thank you for I know you're very very busy and but thank you for your time and coming on the podcast and talking to all the overcomers out there and you've seen it all you've been through it all but uh, most importantly you've overcome it all to thrive so I just really appreciate you and appreciate uh, all the awesome content you're putting out there. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And remember, everybody, be kind to yourself.